Welcome back to another episode of Single Saints Who Try. Today's guest interview is very special to me. Christy Ginn is actually my aunt and she's one of my first inspirations as a single role model in my life. She spent a good portion of her life as a single, getting married at 32, and she's now 43 with a husband and triplets. But don't jump ship just because she's married. Uh, She has some really smart insights from being single for this time period in her life. So before settling down, she was the prime example of making the most of your time in your life while being single. She attended Disney College in Florida and served an LDS mission in San Jose, California. And she also worked for two years as an EFY counselor and lived in Huntington Beach, California while serving in her local YSA. She also graduated from the University of Utah with a degree in English. And I brought Christy here today to give us some insights of how to make the most out of your life and some of the most important lessons she learned while being single. So now that I've spoiled your guys' ending of the story, (laughs) (laughs) let's backtrack a little bit and talk about some of your time as a single adult. And we are kind of laughing about how that feels like a different time to you, which is kind of hopeful because for a lot of single people, um, this might feel like it's the only life you're ever going to know. And even if that's true, um, it's just nice to know that life progresses. So where you're at right now might not be exactly how you feel for the rest of your life, good or bad, like it kind of changes over time. So I thought that was kind of hopeful that you said that. But why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you feel like your single timeline was, if that makes sense. My single my single timeline. Um, well, I graduated from high school and then I went to the University of Utah for a few years. Okay. And I did a internship with Disney World. So I went down and lived in Florida on Disney Disney World campus. They have like a college program. And we went down there for a semester, got college credit for it, which was really fun. I worked at Disney World. Um, We had like just a different kind of singles ward down there because it was a small branch that was mostly Disney employees from Utah. And then like a few handful of people that lived there full time. So that was fun. Um, And I just had started feeling really prompted about going on a mission. And I was scared to death of that decision. So I would put my mission papers in a drawer. So before I left for Florida, I went to see my bishop about getting a limited use recommend for baptisms. So I could do baptisms down in Florida. And um, he pulled out mission papers. This was before you filled them out online. And um, he said, I want you to think about this. And so I just took them. And I really, they felt like they were burning my hand. Like I just wanted to like not think about it. So I, I, I just kind of kept tucking them away. And then I feel like it was something I needed to do. So I pull the papers out and I'd start filling it out. And then I get scared and put them away. <laughs> and that went on for about a year until finally I decided it was just time to go. And I think being in Florida kind of opened my eyes up to a different space, a different, a different way of life. And I, I just, I wanted that. I wanted, I saw that the need to teach people about the gospel was more than I had encountered living in Colorado or Utah. So that was, that was fun. So then I went on a mission and then I came home and I finished up school. How old were you when you went on a mission? Um, I turned 22 in the MTC. Okay. So you were the original 
women's mission age where you had to wait till 20. You had to wait till 21. And then I, you know, went back and forth for about a year okay. of whether I was going to go or not. Okay. And then I was, so I turned 22 in MTC. So I, I was kind of old for a sister missionary. Um, and then I got home. I think I had two years of school. I don't know. And then I um, had a big breakup that I had my heart broken a few times. And the last time I was like, that's it. I'm out of here. I am moving. And I literally flipped a coin. And I said, if it's heads, I'm going to Huntington Beach. And if it's tails, I'm going to DC. Because those were the two like hot spots for LDS singles. And I'm like, I've got to get out of Salt Lake. So Huntington Beach won. And I found a place to rent that was month to month with other LDS kids. And I just moved out there. I literally packed everything that could fit in my Honda Accord and drove out to Huntington Beach. So mm-hmm. it was really fun. And I, that was the best, one of the best decisions I made. I made really great friends out there, had so much fun and it was, it was great. I grew a lot there. So from there, we lived there. I lived there for a few years and then, um, I just kind of hit this space being single where, and I think being in California compounded that a little bit because the seasons never really changed, where I just kind of felt like I was just in this place and it, nothing changed, if that makes sense. Like it just, I, I didn't feel like anything was, was changing in a positive or a negative way in my life. It was just, it just, and I, and that was hard for me. I just wanted something different. So um, I looked into graduate schools and I um, got accepted to San Jose State University and I went up there and did a college campus tour and it just didn't feel right. Um, but I was so confused because it had been so long since I'd been in school. I took the GRE and it was way harder than it probably should have been. Um, but I didn't have any letters of recommendation from a current professor. So um, I've applied to BYU and I got into BYU and I took only English classes for a summer semester there. And I was with the intent of getting into grad school because I applied and didn't get in. And the counselor was like, you don't have, this is what you're missing is these letters of recommendation. So, um, I, I did that and moved back to Utah. Um, and that was hard because Utah is just its own different single scene. And, um, especially after you've lived all over the country. <laughs> I don't know. It, was, it just, it, I just felt like when we were in California, like things were fun again, like linger longers were fun and ward activities were fun. And it's just what everybody did. And especially in a place like Huntington, where it was kind of a small, we had a small geographical ward for a singles ward. And so we just would walk down the street and there were people to hang out with that were LDS and and it was fun. There was just a lot of singles around and we get a big influx in the summer of new people. And um, I made like lifelong friends there and it was just an incredible time of my life. So coming back to Utah was weird because I was living with roommates that I knew in high school and that felt kind of like a backward step. Um, I didn't know them very well in high school, so it was fun to get to know them, but I just didn't know anybody. I didn't know how to like crack into like a like a community of singles it seemed like I was so done with any parties like I'm just done going to any mega parties but how do you find the people that are going camping and hiking and how do you find the people that aren't at the parties you know so that was kind of tricky I remember kind of being in a place of like look I know I'm anxious to get married like I know that that's my next step and I just at this point do I get married and have a family with somebody who's not LDS just to like 
progress, like to move my life forward? Or do I uh, try to stay the course and find somebody who is LDS and, and I don't know, you know, it just seemed like it was maybe never going to happen. And it's like, well, I don't want it to never happen. I'd rather be married and have a family and be the only one of my faith there than to just be single and LDS. And that's kind of where my mindset was at, but it was, I knew that I didn't, I also wasn't comfortable with that. So I don't know. It just was a weird place. So I um, met my husband at Sundance Film Festival. My friends, I finally made some friends <laughs> and they well, like, you know, the point where they're, like, they're calling you instead of you always calling them. Right. And so their friends knew some of my friends and um, Jeff's friends knew some of my friends. And so we met and that, then we did for about a year and got married. Nice. So it's, I mean, looking back now, it's like I said, it feels like a different lifetime. And, you know, in the beginning, you talked about it being hopeful that that, that that statement was kind of hopeful. Um, but I mean, spoiler alert that I think this is life, right? That like, we're always waiting for something and, and God works in that space where we're waiting for the next step, the next progression, the next miracle. And it's, I remember thinking like, okay, it's taking me a long time to find my person. So let's make a deal, God, that it's not going to take a long time to have kids. But that wasn't in the cards for me. I had another five years of infertility after getting married. And that was another really big struggle that was kind of a defining struggle for me. And, you know, I got, I finally got my person and I finally got my family. And now it's like, okay, there's like, you know, my parents are sick and there's career struggles and there's, I just, you know, it's, I feel like following God or just life in general, the lessons of life is that we're just always kind of waiting for the next thing and, and how we handle that period of waiting that, you know, trial of patience, I think can make or break our, our relationship with God. Yep. I love that because I think when you're single, it's easy to hyper-focus all your struggles or trials of based around being single, but in reality, even if you were with somebody, there would be other things, just like you're saying. Right. So, now my now my trials are hyper-focused on my kids. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I'm yeah. missing out on other things because I'm here. I have to put my kids to bed or it's, it's so much to pay for a babysitter. You know what I mean? Like it's, so, it's just your phase of life where it's easy to, it's easy to be frustrated. And that doesn't make that struggle any less real. I mean, that struggle is very real when you're single and you feel like you're trying every to do everything you can to follow the directions of like getting married in the temple and starting a family. Like you're, you're doing everything you can and it like, it just isn't happening. And that's really frustrating. And that can be really painful when you see other people having that and you don't have it. And it's, it's, it just feels like, well, what's next? Like what, what else can I do to like fill up my time, you know, right. which is kind of a, seems like a dumb way to live, but. Right. But I think that's what I love about your story is you were always taking that step of bravery. And for me, what's most amazing about you is that hardly ever did you live around family till you got back to Utah. And at that point, I don't know if your parents were in Utah, but mm-hmm. that's what's so cool. I mean, you're literally flipping a coin saying, okay, where am I going next? And I know you're being prayerful during it all and stuff, but I think that's what's scary when your life isn't going how you would have planned it or want it to just like you're saying okay if this is going to work then help this part of it be easy for me 
um, we don't get to choose, but no. you were always trying to find a next step. Even if it was not the next step, you were always trying to put that foot forward. So that's what I loved about your story and all that, all that stuff that you just shared. So thank you for that. Um, I was, you kind of already answered this, but would you say that your opinion or like your feeling towards being single fluctuated a lot over the years? So like, were you okay with it sometimes? Were you doing it on purpose sometimes? Was it really heartbreaking in other times? Does that make sense? Yeah. And you're right. I think that that did fluctuate quite a bit. And I remember when I was 19, one of my really good friends got married. I was like, you are crazy. Like it is, you are missing out on college and fun and you have your whole life to be married and you're choosing to get married now. Um, and then 10 years later, her husband died suddenly. And it was, I was so grateful that they had that time together. Like their, their relationship was so special and their family was so sweet that I just thought, you know, I'm really glad that she had that time with him. And it's, I just think we all have our own path, kind of, if that makes sense. And for me, I think being single was a choice. I think it was a maturity thing for me of like, okay, I, I really, this really is what I want. Looking back at my relationships, there were several people I probably could have married. And there were a few people that I really seriously considered marrying. And I, I think that I probably would have worked with any of them, you know, and I, I kind of fall in that camp of you, you make your soulmate, like you, you choose the person you're going to be with, and then you make that person your soulmate. Wow. And um, I think that I feel like God puts people in your life. Like I'm, it, it's like a combination of choosing the person and also continue to choose the person. But I think God also has a hand in who's in your life and who those people are at certain times. So I don't know. It was, it was tough. Like I just kept thinking it was like going to happen. And then I think when I was living in California, I was like, wait a minute, this might not happen. Like this might not be happening for me. And it was frustrating because it wasn't because I wasn't dating or because I don't, I don't know. It just, I'm like, am I being too picky? Everybody's like, oh, you're too picky. You're too picky. And I don't know. It's so it, the, the feelings fluctuated for sure. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you is, do you, do you remember any specific event? I know you mentioned like a really bad breakup, um, good or bad that changed your perspective or better or worse. Like, do you remember a specific time kind of like you're saying where you realize this could be permanent and what am I going to do accordingly with my life? Or do you remember a time that it, you know, helped you? live a more positive life according to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you, do you have any times where you had a big shift in? Yeah, I had a, um, I had a guy that I met after my mission and I, we hit it off. We had so much fun. And he was the guy that like stayed late and cleaned up chairs and off picked up people that didn't have rides on the way to church. I mean, he was just like a real, big like softy like you wouldn't guess it by looking at him but he was just like that guy that like is quietly working around the edges and talking to the person that doesn't have a friend you know like he was maybe that was me I don't know but um we we kind of hit it off and we dated for a while and um we were in the same ward but we never sat by each other at church and we finally were um he 
So for conference, general conference, one weekend on a Saturday, he had to work that day. Then the morning he woke me up early and we took his motorcycle up the canyon and he had a, a little thermos with hot water. He had a jet boil or something and oatmeal packets. And so he made breakfast for us in the mountains and we listened to the conference. It was a total surprise. Like he came and woke me up and we went and did that. And it was like a super memorable, romantic thing. Um, and I remember like at that day, like I could marry this guy. Like this is going to, this is probably, the, this is, how can you have like these dates and have this not happen, you know? And then we sat by each other in sacrament one Sunday and he didn't take the sacrament. And that was like shocking to me because I knew this guy's soul, right? Like, um, and I think at this point in my life, things were still a little black and white for me in regards to like, you're in or you're out. Right. And I didn't really understand. I didn't have as much compassion for being in a place where you're just not sure, or you're trying or, you know, and, um, so I just, it really kind of just distressed me because in my paratrical blessing, it very specifically says to choose somebody who's worthy to take you to the temple, that your lives can be sealed together forever. And um, so I kind of wrestled with that and I, it didn't affect my feelings for him. It just kind of shattered that thought of like, oh, this is my person forever because I felt like if he isn't taking the sacrament, how's he going to take me to the temple? And we talked about it and he's like, it's just some stuff I'm not ready to take care of yet. And that for me was really hard because I'm like, look, I can, I can be here with you in this while you're working through it. But if you're not even willing to like see the Bishop, then this may not be the thing for me. And so that I just kind of did like a cold Turkey turn off on that. I was like, I don't want to go any farther with this because I'm already in really deep and I don't want to go farther if this is how it's going to turn out. And um, so I, I kind of turned that relationship off and it was really hard and it was like, I, it was painful. Um, and then I got a call from our Bishop a little, like a few weeks later. And he said, I just want to call and tell you that you've been a catalyst for a miracle. And, um, he didn't tell me any more details. Obviously he was a good Bishop, but he, um, that really wore my heart. And, um, I don't know. And I, I kind of thought we'd get back together, but we didn't. And, but that, that really affected how I dated the rest of my time being single, because I felt like I had had held him to the standard of, I want you to take me to the temple. So, and it was like the best relationship I'd had up till then. And so I always felt like if I'm going to hold him to that standard, I need to hold myself to that standard too. And, um, so I always tried to stay temple worthy in my relationships, if that makes sense. So that I think was helpful. And that was kind of a shift for me as far as like, okay, this is getting serious. And I don't know if I'm ready for it, but this is a person I want to maybe see it with. Anyway, that affected how I, how I did it from then on. I love that because you, you're sticking to what's important to you and your standards and I think it's interesting as you continue to get older, like who you, who you would have dated at every age changes. Mm-hmm. So if you were to date that person later, maybe you would have been willing to stick around a little bit longer and who knows right. if they would have wanted to turn around to match what you needed or not. Um, but I think that's key with so many people, especially in today's generation that it's hard to know how long to stick around for someone to 
um, you know, work on themselves. And especially because everyone has different, a different set of standards for themselves. It's hard. It's hard in the gospel because we think we all know what those standards should be, but everyone's a little bit different. And so I just think that's a key point that you just made is that if the person isn't willing, then, then it's your choice if you want to be subject to that or not. So I love that. Just like you're saying, you had the compassion to want to stick around and it was someone that you would have done that for. So I feel like one of my regrets of being single is when you're single, your friends are everything. Right. And you live in this paradox of like, I don't, I don't want to ruin my friendship with these people that I already spend so much time with and love being around. And I, I look back, I'm like, I wish I would have dated more of my friends. I felt like I was kind of like enjoying my friends and waiting for some sort of unicorn to come by of like, you know what I mean? Like, I just kind of thought like my, I kept my friends and my dating separate. And I kind of wish I would have been braver in as far as dating my friends, because there are people who already love you and have probably similar standards and or have similar interests, you know, that makes sense. Um, so moving on, what do you think, what do you think it was the hardest part for you about being single and what was the biggest blessing that came from being single for you? Hmm. Um, I think the biggest blessing, I'm going out of order. The biggest blessing were the people that I met and the experiences that I had. So I felt like I just kind of said yes to everything, every camping trip, every hiking trip, every boating time, every whatever. I just like, just wanted to say yes, even when it was uncomfortable and I didn't know people or, you know, I just tried to say yes to as many fun things as I could. And I feel like I, I, I really made lifelong friends being single. And I have, I have friends from different parts of my, from my mission, from college roommates, from EFY counselors, from, I was an EFY, I forgot to mention that part. Um, that for a few summers and you know roommates in California I just I have like I have so many people that I can that I still am learning from you know that I'm still having you know I still meet up with some of the, those people and and we have like weekends together it's just it's fun there are people that I met that changed my life um the hardest part about being single was I just felt listless like I just felt like I was kind of waiting for the next thing to happen and it just didn't and so it was I, you know, had I known I was going to be single that long, I would have picked a different career. I would have probably studied something else in school. I would have done something that like, I feel like I I did what they said of get an education and have a, a, like a job that you can fall back on. Well, I have that, but it wasn't anything that was going to make me any money. It wasn't something that I love to do. You know, I probably would have done, had I known I would have, I would have had maybe found a profession that was a driving force for me or something that was, you know, does that make sense? So I think that was the hardest part is I just felt like I didn't, I didn't know. I don't know. I just feel like I was always waiting for that thing. And that was right. a waste of time, like a waste of energy and time. Like I just, I don't know. Right. That I sense. That's what I was going to say is when you look back, is there something you would have done different? So I think it's cool because you were still extremely productive in all the right ways, just like you're saying, well, up. I when you look back and you like summarize it, it sounds productive. But at the time, it's like I'm working as like an assistant in an orthodontist office, and I'm trying really hard to stay out of debt. But I want to go do all the fun things, which cost money. And you know, I don't know. Like, 
Meanwhile, I had friends who were paralegals who were making a lot of money, had really great benefits and had like lots of vacation days. So it's, you know, I think I made the wrong choice there, but (laughs) both a win-win kind of both good things, just different, right? Yeah. Well, in our last five minutes, um, I'm so grateful that you've been willing to share these insights with us today because they are answers that I couldn't have come up with by myself. So it's great to you probably you probably could have. <laughs> great to have someone looking backwards while I'm looking forward. Hmm. Um, but in our last five minutes, I would just like you to tell us what the what's the most important thing that you would tell a single person trying to live the gospel of Jesus Christ today. I would say have fun and say yes to all the fun things not all like the bad things but the fun things and just try to make the most of it because I look back and I cherish those times I cherish those moments now and you know that getting I think that's what got me through triplets I couldn't have handled triplets at 21 you know but because I had those 10 years of fun times that the hard things now are a little easier. I have more arrows in my quiver of, you know, tools. I have more tools. I have more resources than I did because I tried to make the most of that time, if that makes sense. That's so true. I love that. Just a lot of things to get you through the next stage of your life. You made the most of it. Yeah. I think, I don't know, but in knowing that I was talking to you, I had the story in Messiah keep coming back to me of almost people who were in bondage. And I think a lot of times we, relate that story to like a bondage we can't escape, like a grief or an addiction or like a chronic illness or something that's something that we can't escape. And, you know, single being single doesn't really compare in those ways. But I think that sometimes the effect of it feel the same. It feels like a burden. It feels heavy. It feels endless, like we're stuck, you know? And I just, I love the hope that's given to these people where they're not immediately taken out of the situation, but that God eases their burdens and he lifts their load and he makes it enjoyable for them. And I think that that's kind of where, where you find the peace of being single and you find the joy in being single and, and just try to make the most of it with God. And he'll, he, he can use you as a tool or you can bless other people and you can find those friends and find, find your person, you know, and maybe you won't, maybe that's, some people may not get that, but just like some people may never be free of a chronic illness or may always be pressed by grief. You just, you hope you get through it and you, you hope God blesses you with it always, you know, I don't know. Does that make sense? I totally love that. Thank you so much. That's a perfect note to end on. Um, I loved hearing your story today. So thank you for being willing to talk to us. You're welcome. And we have been so grateful to have Christy Ginn on today. And we will talk to you guys next time and see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of Single Saints Who Try. Follow us on social media or listen on any podcast platform. Comment on YouTube or DM us on Instagram for any single saint stories, insights, or questions. We'd love to hear more from you as a single saint who's trying. And don't forget to join us again next week for a new episode.